Welcome to Disruptive Successor, a show for next generation leaders in family businesses and entrepreneurs who want to disrupt the status quo and take their existing business to a whole new level. We all know that what got us here isn't going to get us there. This show will provide inspiration, advice, and resources to help you create massive impact. This podcast is sponsored by myself, Jonathan Goldhill, and my company, The Goldhill Group, where we provide coaching for growing companies. I'm Jonathan Goldhill, and my purpose is simple to guide entrepreneurial leaders in family businesses towards more freedom and fulfillment. I want entrepreneurs to get clarity around the changes that will make them and their businesses more successful so they can experience the same freedom I've enjoyed in my life. Our proven practices challenge business owners to think differently about their business and how they're running it and quite literally become game changers in our clients' companies. Learn more at the goldhillgroup.com website where you can schedule your free strategy session. Hi, it's Jonathan Goldhill and welcome back to another episode of the Disruptive Successor Show. Today, I'll be talking with a fellow business coach who's been in the business as many years as I has. John Neuenberg has been a business coach since 2004. He has helped over 320 small business owners increase profit, remove the stress and chaos from their businesses, and get their lives back. Before becoming a business coach, John was president of BC Liquor Stores, which currently does over $3 billion in sales annually with a headcount of 4,000 people. In 2019, McKay CEO Forums awarded John with Canada's CEO Trusted Advisor Award in the small business category. John, welcome to the show today. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. I think I might have said McKay wrong. It's probably Mackay. No, that... it's McKay. You it's McKay. Gotcha. So what is it that led you to get that award? What, like, tell us a little bit of background of who they are and, uh, and how they, how they selected you. McKay is, um, similar to, um, uh, it's a peer level business, uh, group that do peer level coaching, you know, the model, you know, kind of model. And, um, they, as these kind of organizations do want to get a bit of PR and profile. And so they thought this was a great way for them to uh, acknowledge and reward advisors, but at the same time, get some prominence. So it's, um, you know, it's a, a, a facility that allows all those things to happen. Yeah, that's great. So take us back through your history. Um, you were president of BC liquor stores. How long were you there? How did you get, into that position. Um, what tell us a little about your career trajectory prior to becoming a business coach? You know, um, I've been a business coach for 20 years, but the other answer, which is also true, is all of my life. Uh, it was uh, Steve Jobs who said you can only connect the dots going backwards. So when I started as a coach, I had a bit of an epiphany, a bit of a wake up one day and thought, oh man, I've always been a Coach, and I'm going to share a couple of those uh, connections, one of which is I'm the eldest of eight children. So you can imagine early in life, you get cast in a certain role, a certain level of, you know, sort of responsibility. I'm hardwired to be a teacher, and I knew that in 
high school. But in those days, that meant wearing a Harris tweed coat and elbow patches, kind of the bureaucratic style of teaching <laughs> didn't appeal to me very much. Right. Um, in the early 80s, I learned something called the Socratic method of leadership. So Socrates had it the best way to help somebody is to help them work it out for themselves. And of course, that's what I do primarily as a coach. I'm not in the you have to, you need to, you should business. I'm in the business of helping you figure out what's right for you, what's the right answer. Um, and so I started more directly to your point or to your question. I started as a sales guy in a national men's or a retailer in Canada. Um, over 17 years, I lived in a bunch of different places in Canada. Ultimately, I was living in Toronto. I was an executive and head office. And after five years, I decided uh, I didn't like living in Toronto very much. So I got myself headhunted. And that's how I came back to Vancouver to the West Coast and joined the BC Liquor Stores, which is what I did for most of the 90s. Um, and then did a bunch of retail consulting. And then one day I stumbled into business coaching as I went to a trade show. And um, about two days later, I went to uh, uh, an evening event. And shortly after that, I was on a flight to uh, get certified. Amazing. Were you with one of the big coaching outfits like Action Coach or? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I was with Action Coach back and that's how I got started. Okay. Interesting. Now I just have to ask when you were in the menswear business, did you ever run across Joseph H. Cohn and Sons, which is a large manufacturer of men's suits, which was my family's business? Oh, you know, I didn't. Were they in Montreal? No, uh, they were based in New York and Philadelphia. Yeah, so it's unlikely we would have. I was on the operations side, so I ran the stores. The merchandise side was an entirely, you know, that was the other side of right. the business, and I didn't have much involvement in that part of the business. Right. Um, we, the most of the suits, uh, clothing we got, we got from a manufacturer, an in-house manufacturer that was uh, did most of the work in um in montreal but in the latter years more and more of that was going overseas and then my uncle who was in the my grandfather's business then went and was with peerless clothing which was a canadian company mm. I'm, I'm expecting that is a name you might know because they sold that is a name i know yes it is so yeah. small world um so john bc liquors or liquor stores the menswear company I imagine maybe these were family businesses, but if not, you've worked with many family businesses in your career, have you not? As a business coach, yeah, for sure. You know, they're small businesses and typically the family is very involved in those. Uh, I, sometimes directly they're employed by the family, but ultimately I have a definition of what's the purpose of business. And uh, the answer I want to give you to that is a bit counterintuitive or, and certainly wouldn't be applicable if, you know, the business was $100 million and there's lots more stakeholders and investors and mm -hmm. complexity, et cetera. But the ultimate purpose of a small business, the one doing a million, five million, is to give its owner the life they want. Perfect. And and uh, so what that how that ties back to your question about family is that many uh, business owners, whether their uh, family is directly involved or not, the family is very much part of involved with, to some extent, affected by the owner's uh, relationship with the business itself. 
Yeah. And so do you find that most of the owners that you're working with, that the they're so wrapped up in their business that it is difficult for them to separate themselves from their businesses? Yeah. So I often get started with a business owner when they come to the realization or have some kind of event, usually personal event that causes them to recognize. I'm going to tell you a story that's um, so I have a client, had a client, had a factory, manufactured parts. Um, it was two shifts. They started at six in the morning and they finished at 10 o'clock at night. This was a manager at the time that this owner wasn't wasn't very good at uh, delegating leadership, that kind of thing. And so he would, you know, he'd get to a place 10 o'clock at night. He had an hour's commute, an hour. So it'd be like 11 or 11.30 by the time he got home and then in order to be back in the plant at six, he'd be up at 4.30. So then one day his wife said to him, your business is your mistress. If you don't do something about it, I will. So this guy was prepared to grind 70, 80, 90 hours a week. But when confronted with that possibility, that wasn't something he was prepared to pay. And I tell that is because it's a prototypical story of what happens with business owners is they're so wrapped up in their business and they're doing the best they can and they're doing what they know how to do, which is just grind and persevere. And um, and when faced with that circumstance, that is what was the first time he reached out and thought, you know, I'm, I'm not willing to pay that price. I got to figure this out. I need some help to, to do this. So in some way or another, uh, business owners typically aren't getting out of their business what they want in order to get the life they want. Usually the business is controlling them and not the other way around. Is this what you would describe as one of the biggest problems facing small business owners? Typically the ones I work with are challenged around one or all of time, team, or money. Mm -hmm. So we've been talking about time. I've got too much to do. I can't get everything done. If I don't do it, it won't get done. Team is nowadays recruiting, getting good people is very difficult. Uh, getting people to do the work at the level you need, getting uh, the culture that you want. And then the third component is money. And it has two aspects. So number one is having, you know, proper financials, reporting, accounting, uh, KPIs, having the ability to have a dashboard to measure results. And the other side of money is I need more money. I need better sales and marketing. So um, the owners I work with are typically experiencing one or all of those uh, pains difficulties, challenges. I know the time, team, or money framework quite well because we've coached in similar circles. So where do you start with someone if they have all three? Well, there's a framework. Uh, we In the early days of coaching, I have someone do some benchmarking. It helps me understand uh, where they're at relative to the framework that we use. And there's you know, a start and a finish. Um, Although I'll tell you a story about this, that early in my coaching days, you know, I started working with a new client and I thought, well, gee, why don't we, you know, sort of figure out what the future is. Let's put a strategic plan. What are we trying to get done? What's the business plan? And I was working with this guy for three or four weeks and he wasn't very engaged. And I one day asked him, hey, what's going on for you? Like, you're not participating really at the level that I thought you would. And he said to me, uh, you know, I don't know why we're doing this. I can't make payroll tomorrow. That's when I realized I really was inexperienced as a coach because what I understood in that moment is 
when they start working with a coach, it's because there's what I describe as a burning bush. There is some great difficulty that's caused them to reach out and say, I can't figure this out. I need help. And so typically the first thing we'd work on is whatever that burning bush is, whether it's, you know, your business is your mistress or I can't make payroll or I can't hire good people, whatever that thing is, we've got to solve that first before we can step back and say, okay, let's now do this in a more organized, systematic way uh, because now we have the breathing room and the, and, the, and the space to actually do that. So let's solve the burning bush is the answer to your question. What's the burning bush? Well, of course, um, uh, we've uh, established what the burning bush is a result of the, you know, the intake process and the discovery call. And it's pretty clear uh, where they need help. Very much like a firefighter's work, right? And though they might, well, backburn, they might backburn a certain area so that they protect the, the next bush or bushes from getting burnt. Yeah, you know, that's that's often uh, one of the first conversations I have is we're going to do some firefighting to start with. But ultimately, we want to get to a place where you're in the driver's seat. And that means we're being proactive instead of reactive, you know, just putting out the next fire in that instead of being random, whatever, you know, whack-a-mole, whatever comes up next, they're more strategic, more thoughtful about uh, building and, and growing the thing in a robust um, sustainable way. It's interesting. I just got off of a phone call with a ideal prospect for me. And uh, right. they actually picked up a copy of my book uh, three years ago and, but didn't read it, but then started listening right. to my podcast and, and they yeah. listened to the podcast and then they realized they needed to needed some help. Sure. And the interesting obstacle, I don't, I, I don't think I've seen this or heard this objection in quite some time, but if you would, if, the, if we could call it a sales objection, they were like, I, we have no questions about or qualms about you being the right person or what you do being the right solution. I'm not sure about myself, they were asking. Uh -huh. Like, I'm not sure, like... Will we do this in six months down the road? I will be like, I still have that nasty to-do list of all these things and I'm not yeah. getting done. And I imagine that you've dealt with this many times also where the enemy, you know, it's that old Pogo quote, right? I've, I've, I've seen the enemy and the enemy is us. And they sure. the, the resistance to being able to get done what they need to get done. What, yeah. what have you said so, or what would you say to someone like this? Because I think this is a common obstacle for people who are thinking about coaching is that secretly like, and I know I've been through it myself, like, do I have the energy? Do I have what it takes? Do I want it? Is it a burning yeah. desire enough? Yeah. So one of the secrets I'll share with you, it's not really a secret, but you're kind of addressing it is that uh, all business coaching is personal coaching in disguise. All business coaching is personal co coaching in disguise. So what I mean by that is the, the way it manifests itself is I can't make payroll or I'm working too many hours, but the mindset that or the uh, skills that that owner has at the moment is what's um, is taking them as far as they can go. And now they need you know, to go beyond that. 
And it can be difficult if you're staring over the edge of the cliff, man. It's That's a scary, scary place to be. And, and ultimately what happens is the thought of continuing is more scary in the present circumstance, becomes more scary than whatever the unknown future might be because it can't be worse than what this is. And that's generally what happens, um, you know, when an owner, when they, like in the example that you talked about it, they're kind of feeling at the edges of it and they get the ebook or they read the blog post and it might take another three years, three months before it, you know, sort of gets to the place where they say, you know what, I gotta, I gotta do this. I gotta move forward. Um, you probably know this as well. Fear and excitement are producing the same part of the brain. So excitement can be reframed as, as fear and fear can be reframed as excitement and both cause that tingly, sometimes positive, sometimes negative, but it's the precursor of all growth. All growth um, means that you're pushing the edges of your comfort zone. And what happens when you feel the edge of your comfort zone? What are you experiencing? It's uncomfortable. And so we can either decide to push through that or we can walk away or kind of retreat from it. But <clears throat> here's the thing, you're either growing or dying. That's that's an old phrase as well. And um, and so if you're not willing to push through those fears, it doesn't mean you get to stay where you are. It likely means you're going to regress. Do you think there's any correlation between business coaching and personal therapy in the sense that pe- like I've never done any kind of research, anecdotal research otherwise to find out like what percent of my clients also have engaged in, in therapy, therapy. but it seems as though the obstacles that you've just described, which is, you know, the pain of today, it, you know, is, is worse than what the potential of tomorrow could look like. And so I'm willing to take that leap into the faith you know, into, into the void. It just seems as though there's such, there should be a highly correlated behavioral choice to get coached and to be in therapy. You know, often what I do with clients looks closer to counseling than it does to coaching. Um, But here's the thing. No one who's a business owner is ever going to step up and voluntarily, voluntarily take counseling or therapy because they're, you know, many of them have suspicion regarded as some kind of woo-woo or voodoo or something like that. And um, yeah. Uh, and so when I first meet business owners, they're generally very, um, they get comfortable or at least they overcome their fears that coaching isn't going to be about some form of woo-woo, uh, especially when we can point them at a process of systematic, robust way that we first do a diagnosis of the business, prescribe a future going forward and start to work down that path. But um, the, the, and so that's what gives the owners comfort. But once we start coaching, they start to see the real value. You know, I um, had a client, Brad was his name. And in those days I used to drive to my clients and I'd been working with Brad for about three, four months. And one day I said to him, Brad, what do you like most about coaching? What's the most valuable part? about coaching to you, for you. And he said, it's great to have a friend. And at the time, that answer embarrassed me. I thought, oh my God, this guy's paying me large just to be his friend. But as I was driving home, I realized what he what he was getting at. It's lonely being a business owner. Who can you really talk to? 
you can, you know, you've got a lawyer, you've got a banker, you've got an accountant, they've all got a, an, you know, they've all got a, um, an interest or a kind of a stake in the conversation. At least in my case, I sometimes discuss things with my wife, but it takes me 30 minutes to explain the context by which time she's bored. And I am too, honestly. And, or, you know, uh, she'll start to give me advice after five minutes, but it's not really that helpful because she doesn't really sort of get the, the big picture. And so uh, business owners relish the opportunity to have someone they can bounce ideas off of, be able to uh, say out loud the things they've been thinking, to have someone who gets it, who's been there. I have some gray hair. I have some experience. And so it doesn't take 30 minutes for them. Often I understand what they're saying before they even finished the sentence. And so a lot of coaching is letting someone have the space to, to articulate, define, express out loud the things that they're saying. And what I know about business owners as a rule is they're very um, problem-solving, active-minded. Uh, and once they've had the chance to express their thoughts, to articulate what they're thinking, they it then becomes a thing. And, the, and as a result of that, they're willing to take action because they can't just let it lie there. But as long as it's just kind of rolling in their head, it just sits there kind of producing anxiety, you know, causing people to to stress about things. But once they say it, it takes and um, manifests it, makes it real, and now they can act on it. That's, That's what so, Brad told me. Yeah, that is so well said. And uh, it makes a lot of sense. A lot of sense mm. is, you know, it, is being a for being a sounding board, being a place where someone can just vent, they can burn the fog off and start to figure out what's really an issue um, from what's not. And I think what's yeah. interesting is that you and I as coaches know the the value of a, a powerful team that's really engaged. You know, we understand from Patrick Lencioni's work and just from working with clients that the value and the advantage of having a, a tight organization. Yeah. And so um, getting people uh, to articulate what their vision is, starting to talk about it, it starts to make it more real. And it does, it gets that anxiety out and you can start to put some shape around it and figure out what's something I need to work on and what's something that I can just ignore or let go for now. Yeah. Yeah, Steve Jobs put it a different way. He said, focus isn't what you choose to say yes to. Focus is what you have to say no to. Yeah. That's the hard thing about focus because, you know, business owners are often, they have the shiny obstacle, op, you know, shiny obstacle um, syndrome. Yeah. Shiny penny right. shiny syndrome. object syndrome. Right. Bright, shiny objects. Thanks for that. And, uh, and so they get caught up in whatever's the next thing that got their attention. And, and as a result, they've got too many plates in the air, too many balls, and they can't handle them all. And then they see another one and something drops off. So part of what you do in coaching is help people get focused. And by focused, I mean, uh, make a choice. You know, uh, there's a story of Warren Buffett at a uh, personal pilot. Mike Fink, Fink is the guy's name. And... Um, one day he flew for Warren for 10 years. And before that, he flew for four U.S. presidents. So it's pretty safe that this guy was a stud. You can look this up. Google Mike Flint and, um, and Warren Buffett. 
So one day Warren said, well, don't you have any career goals? Like all you want to do is fly for me. And uh, Mike said, no, no, I got goals. So go away and make a list. And so a couple of weeks go by, they're discussing the list. He's got 25 things on the list. And Warren says, what I'd like you to do is uh, identify the top five in the next 20 and two weeks or whatever go by. And they're having the conversation again. And Warren says, that's great. You got the top five. What are you going to do with the next 20? And Mike said, you know, well, the 20 are important. I'll get to them as I can. And Warren said, no, it's the never to be looked at list. Until right. something drops off the top five, and so that's um, that's a bit of advice I'd give to all business owners. What are your top five? Many of them wouldn't know that off the top of their head, or they'd have to give that a think. Um, coming back to uh, what you said earlier, it was trying to get everybody on the same page. Vision or strategic planning isn't really about vision. It's five percent vision, ninety-five percent alignment. Get everybody on the same page. What are we trying to do here? Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's so important, but some people just don't even, haven't even articulated what the vision is or where they're going. And it's because they don't have- To themselves, probably, let alone, or yeah. interrupting it to themselves, let alone to the rest of the team. Exactly. And so we become, you know, we become that perfect sounding board. It's a non-judgmental mm -hmm. space for them to come and- and try it out see if like mm. is that a good vision is that a worthwhile vision i mean sure. uh, a recent call i was just on with with someone they were trying to figure out like what really is their vision is it a 2x is it mm. a 5x is it a 10x mm. is it something else altogether is it is it an acquisition is it you know and so it, it's that discovery process maybe it's just initially figuring out how to have more time um, yeah. And, you know, and building the, uh, a better team and having more money. Those are all going to go together eventually. Yeah. The kind of thing you're describing, they're pretty far down the track. They're gotten away from, can I make payroll? That's my vision today is, can I make payroll tomorrow? <laughs> that's, uh, that's about the extent I've got, you know, I can see three days out into the future and that's about it. Yeah. Well, that's, that's survival. Um, hey, so I know you have some great, time management and personal productivity tips. And I know part of it is that uh, the prioritization of your top five, uh, what we call the Ivy Lee method, but so many others have taken credit. What's a way that a business owner can free up five to seven hours each week? Right? You tell them. You know, every business owner, if you were to ask them, they could come up with what I describe as the oh crap list pretty quickly. And what I mean by the oh crap list is what's the work that you do that every time you have to do that work, you say to yourself, oh crap, I have to do payroll or I have to do bookkeeping or I have to, you know, do payables, whatever that list is. That's when you're saying that to yourself, that's your intuition telling you that you should not be the person who does that work. So if you were to sort of identify or quantify what your value, when you're producing the most value for your business. It's easier, you know, if you're a lawyer or an accountant, your billable rate, your value might be 200, 300, 400, $500 an hour. Why are you doing, doing work that someone will do better than you? Not as good, better than you, because they'll be very much more invested in it. And they'll do it for something like $10, $12, $15 an hour. You can find them overseas or your virtual assistant. And so the question isn't, how can I get this done? Often the question should be, how can this get done? And it can't be done by me. 
And so um, typically, you know, I once helped a uh, woman go from about 100,000 in sales to 600,000 in sales in a space of about 18 months. And we were redefining her role about every three months, what she needed to do more of, what should I be doing more of? And as a result, I have uh, don't have time to do other things. What is what should I what do I need to be doing more of? And as a result, what should I be doing less of? How can I get someone else to do that for me? Is that part of your five steps to freedom model? Well, it's part of uh, it's part of the process uh, uh, about being more organized and how you think about your time. There's a you know part of the one way to another way to do it is to actually survey your time and make a record of what you're doing with yep. your time in 15 minute increments, and then put it in a uh, two by two Eisenhower matrix. Right in the upper right, it's high fun, high skill, and the lower left, low fun, low skill. Anything that's in that bottom left, someone else needs to do that for you. Yeah, and um, and typically that is never a finished um, product. As you scale, uh, how you focus your time changes. Yeah, and it, it's an. Exercise. Or I'll put it. Yeah, it's an exercise I've had put it, CEOs run through almost. If they're going fast enough, you could do that exercise quarterly because things are going to change. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Yeah. You know the the metaphor I sometimes use is. Um, Let's say you're a, a captain of a Navy boat. It's 50 feet and the crew is 10 and you're the most qualified engine room guy. How often is that captain going to be in the engine room with tools? Regularly, routinely. He's the most qualified guy. So now let's make you the captain of a 150 foot boat. And now the crew is 50. How often is that captain in the engine room with tools? Better be never or only in the case of a fire, because now there's someone he needs to get that same result through the efforts of someone else. And yeah. so how he spends his time, that captain has to change. And now let's make you the captain of a aircraft carrier. There's 2,000 people on board. Um, how often is that captain in the engine room at all? Well, to give someone perhaps a 20-year certificate, because now he's got a guy who manages the guy who's the engine room guy. And so as your company scales, where you focus your time has to, you have to be in front of leading that process in order to, uh, uh, be in a place where you can lead the scaling of your business. And often the business owners we face are hitting their head against the ceiling because they've you know, come up against the, the limitations of their capabilities. They don't know how or what they should be doing differently or how to get better or the same results, at least uh, through the efforts of someone else. Well said. So they ultimately- Love the story. Yeah, well, you know, it, it sort of captures what- you know that guy who's the captain of the of the aircraft carrier with two thousand people. That guy's spending all of his time thinking about how can I get everybody on the same page. Um, the captain of the small boat is thinking how can I get this oil change done in this engine. Uh, different questions. Very different. <laughs> very yes. different. Exactly. I think it was John Paul Getty who said that you're worthless as an executive if you can't get other things done. Through, you can't get things done through other people. And that's, that's you know, leadership is about creating followership. And so if yeah. you can't create followership, how are you going to grow yourself, your people, your business, any of that stuff? So, you know, so for a long time, I was in the operational area of retail stores. So the people who worked for me were all in uh, operations. And I knew that role very, very well. And then I became president of a company. And then I realized 
I was hiring people who who were better at what they did than I ever could hope to be. And that's when I understood, you know, all I can manage you to is um, the results I need you to deliver and the behavior that I expect from you. Those are the only two things that I could measure and that I could, you know, give you feedback on because how you got it was really entirely up to you. And, um, and um, because you knew more or knew that role better than I ever could uh, possibly hope. And so that's what leadership eventually becomes is I need to get the result, but you're going to have to one who delivers it and you're going to have to do it without a lot of uh, technical support from me because you're far better at it than I'll ever be. So John, tell us a little bit about your business. It's called W5 Coaching. What, yeah, W5 what, Coaching. I'm a business coach. Is, you know, the 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 core of coaching is asking good questions or helping people figure it out, the Socratic method. And of course, the five core questions start with a W. Who, what, why, when, and how? Those? Who, what, where, when, why, yeah, and how. Um, uh, but, um, right. uh, so that was the underpinning of W5. I like that. I remember when I was younger, that was how I would figure out how you, you know, I was going to make any kind of plan. It was like, okay, who, what, when, why, where, yeah. and then how is a six. So, yeah. um, that's great. The, um, thank you. Yeah. Um, it's also, uh, journalists are taught that in, how to do reporting that every story has to answer the five W. So it's, uh, I kind of borrowed it from them as well. And Fantastic. Rudyard Kipling who wrote a, uh, I have five serving men. Oh, I forget the poem, but um, the point of this poem, Rudyard Kipling was that uh, his best friends or his best uh, tools were a who, what, when, where, and why. Great. John, if someone wanted to learn more about your coaching practice or, um, wanted to connect with you. One, how would they reach you? And what's an ideal client for you? Well, um, I'm easy to find W5 Coaching. I'm on all the social platforms and uh, there's an easy way to contact me or my connection details are on, on W5Coaching.com. Um, the, uh, the kind of people I want to meet are complaining about time, team, or money. And they're typically one of two cohorts or Groups, so they're uh, professional advisors and lawyers, accountants, and health practitioners. Anyone who provides business coaches, realtors, business brokers, we all provide advice, professional advice. The advice changes depending on your practice. Uh, and the other kind of uh, client I work with are people that are in the trades or crafts, so they're electricians and plumbers and general contractors. And um, so they're very good at their trade, very good at their profession. They don't know that they actually have the same problems very often. Um, uh, so the people I want to meet are either great professionals, great lawyers, they're great electricians, but their business kind of runs them and they want to get to a place where they run their business and as a result, get the life they want. Sounds good. John, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Um, we've known each other, known of each other for many years, and uh, we've traveled in very similar circles in terms of our our coaching education and path. And it's great to talk to a fellow coach on the show. Thank you very much for having me. I've enjoyed our, uh, our talk. Okay, great. So folks, you know how to get a hold of John. If you're looking to scale your business, uh, reach out to a coach, whether it's John, myself, or, or someone else, but do something. Don't just sit there and sit with the inertia, which is your biggest obstacle probably to moving forward. 
So mm-hmm. think of your inertia as your competition and it's your mindset has got to get over that. And so uh, if you want to be a disruptive successor, that's going to be key. John, did you want to weigh in on that? Look, like you had something to say. No, that's it. Great. Um, thanks for wrapping up in a great way. All right. Folks, you know the drill. If you like this show, please share it with others. Give us a good rating on your listening podcast application of choice and stay tuned for future episodes of the show. This podcast is sponsored by myself, Jonathan Goldhill, and my company, The Goldhill Group, where we provide coaching for growing companies. I'm Jonathan Goldhill, and my purpose is simple, to guide entrepreneurial leaders in family businesses towards more freedom and fulfillment. I want entrepreneurs to get clarity around the changes that will make them and their businesses more successful so they can experience the same freedom I've enjoyed in my life. Our proven practices challenge business owners to think differently about their business and how they're running it and quite literally become game changers in our clients' companies. Learn more at thegoldhillgroup.com website where you can schedule your free strategy session. Thank you for joining us on the Disruptive Successor Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, review, and share with a friend who would benefit from the message. If you're interested in picking up a copy of my book, Disruptive Successor, go to DisruptiveSuccessor.com.